You're listening to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. You've read the stories of the drivers and others involved in the sport that we all love. Now hear their stories firsthand via our all-new podcast to find out how their passion for motorsports has made life worth living. Welcome once again to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. As we start our latest edition, we first want to take a minute to send out our thoughts and prayers to everyone that's been affected by both Hurricanes Harvey and Irma. Uh, down below us in the South Texas and Florida has just been ravaged by those hurricanes. And if you get a chance, please donate or do whatever you can to help those folks. We also want to thank our last guest, 18-year-old superstar street stock driver Amber Lynn. She took a little time out of her very busy schedule to tell us her story and ambitions as an up-and-coming late model driver. Speaking of late model racing, I am Mm -hmm. so excited about this edition. Oh, yeah? Why is that? One of the best late model races in the Southeast is coming in two weeks. Oh! And I cannot wait. Who we got? What we doing? We're heading out to the Valley Star 300 at Martinsville Speedway. Honestly, it's probably the best race of the year, if you ask me. And they got LED lights now. Yeah, exactly. This year's probably going to be the greatest because we're finally going to have this race under the lights. Like, if it couldn't be any more exciting as it is, you start out with a field of about 40 cars. Honestly, you start out with about 100 drivers trying to qualify for Mm -hmm. the race. Then you get that field down to 40, which takes a little while. (laughs) <laughs> and it ends up in a lot of tour of race cars. And by the time you start the feature, you got about 40 cars st- starting the feature and end up with about 15 if you're lucky at the end. Right. And, you know, growing up in South Boston, Martinsville to us was like, you know, the big speedway. That's right. So it's going to be real interesting for me to see that race under LED lights to see what it's like. It's going to be like watching it during the day. That's right. Exactly. This is actually going to be what NASCAR should be. So this is going to be awesome to see. And I can't wait for this year. And this will be my third year heading out to this race. So I just just can't wait. Well, that is the lovely and talented Miss Ellen Richardson. I am Tater, and if I understand correctly, we're going to have Brooks Taylor on the line. Is that right? That's right. We've got the PR director for Martinsville Speedway joining us to tell us all about this race and why you all should come out and attend this one-of-a-kind race that is like you will never, ever see again. Well, let's see if we can get Brooks on the line. Absolutely. Brooks, good afternoon, man. How you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Hey, man. Thanks for joining us. Now, I'm a South Boston native, so I know Martinsville extremely well. And I'm excited, number one, before we get to talking about the Valley Star Credit Union 300, about the LED lights you got in. We are, too. It's uh, really a game changer up here. We're um, looking forward, actually, to debuting them uh, Thursday night for uh, the test day for the Valley Star Credit Union 300, and then we'll... uh, We'll have them on for the show uh, next Saturday night. It's going to be uh, going to be really exciting. We we've turned them on a couple of times. We had Leonard Lloyd turn some laps and Peyton Sellers and Matt Bowling, and every one of them said it was the best lighting they've ever seen. So uh, I tend to agree with them. I've been to a lot of racetracks, a lot of racetracks that don't have LED lights. Uh, we're the only one, and uh, it's it's looks better than the daytime. Nice. Well, tell us a little bit about the history of the Valley Star Credit Union 300. Well, the uh, late model started running here about 1985. Um, it's something that uh, is obviously very popular in our area. We've got tracks South Boston, Southern National, Motor Mile, Langley, Old Dominion, which is now Dominion Raceway, Hickory. They're all uh, they're all around us, and you know those cars. Uh, they can't do well at like a Daytona, but they, they come out to Martinsville and, you know, it gives those drivers a chance to race on the big stage and now under the brightest lights. And it's, uh, it's just really exciting for all of them. And it's exciting for us. And it gives them an opportunity to race on the same track that the, uh, 
Cup guys race on. They're racing for the same Grandfather Clark Trophy and they're racing for $25,000, which, you know, you, you think about these guys on a regular Friday or Saturday night, they, they may pick up 1500 for a win. This place, mm-hmm. this race pays $1,000 to finish 40th. So uh, now we're going to have 80 cars show up to try to make the race. Uh, but, you know, if, if you're if you're 40th, as they say, uh, it, it, for, for a lot of those guys, that's just as big a deal as it is for somebody to win. So is that the number of cars you're expecting? Eighty. We're uh, we're hoping for more than that, but based on uh, the past couple of years, I think eighty is a uh, very doable number. And if we can get up to a hundred, that'd be incredible. God knows, I've seen you guys get a hundred out there before. We have gotten a hundred. We got a hundred plus, and we'd love to get back to that. It's been a good year uh, throughout the region, throughout the country for uh, late model stock cars, and um, I think you know with the lights, that's going to bring some people out that that wouldn't necessarily come. Um, I'll tell you, if uh, advanced ticket sales and camping are any indication, we are uh, we're, we're doing very well. Um, every bit of our uh, reserve camping is sold out. That includes the backstretch, Champions Overlook, the driver owner lot. All of that's sold out. It's been sold out for weeks. Wow! Uh, wow. Advanced sales are, are through the roof. So it's uh, it's really exciting. We're really pumped for it. And you know, you know, it's always going to be a good race. But I think turning the lights on, you know, there's something about when the sun goes down that the intensity heats up. And, yes. And we're really, uh, really expecting that. I'm renting out space in my driveway at my house in South Boston. If anybody feels like they want to park and walk, I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> From South Boston, I would. Ain't that well, I've done it before. <laughs> That, that, that might be as close as they're going to get with this crowd. Um, no, it's. it's God, it's I hope not. Crowd, but we. <laughs> We've got plenty of parking. Uh, we've got plenty of grandstands, and uh, we're we're really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a a good race. It always is, but just to talk to the drivers and how excited they are for it. You know, I've been out all summer talking to talking to guys, and they're uh, they're really fired up for it. So, why do you feel that this race has become so prestigious? I mean, obviously, this year everybody's really excited because of the lights and it being under the lights and not being on a Sunday, but on a Saturday night, which is what a lot of you know, race fans are used to as far as going out to their local short tracks. What has made this race the go-to race of the year? Well, I think, for one, it's a track that only runs late models once a year. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some other tracks that have big races. um, But, you know, the guys that race at those tracks may have an advantage. You know, this sort of levels the playing field. You can be really dominant at your track. We've seen guys win the national championship and come out here and not be able to run in the top 20. I think it's a it's a race that since it's on a track that's nationally known, uh, the same track that you know guys like Richard Petty, Kelly Yarbrough, Harry Gant, you know all of those guys have won here, both Earnhardts. So um, you know I think that adds to it, and then I think the fact that you know it pays so well, and uh, a lot of guys will tell you they don't they don't care about the check, they care about the clock, and so uh, not many people have those clocks, and it gives. Uh, gives everybody the opportunity to get one. I was going to say the clock has got to be something people cherish. I would say the clock and the bragging rights. Every driver I've ever spoken to that has won this race, I mean, they, they know they have those bragging rights because it's one of the hardest races to qualify for and win as far as the late model stocks. Well, it's right here in the heart, too. I mean, we're yeah. literally right here in the heart. I mean, where else did it get started except right here on these these, these runways? Exactly. Right, and this is the only track that's you know was on NASCAR's original schedule. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you got the history there. And I think the bragging rights mean a lot. You know, um, there's a lot of guys who have been very, very, very good late model uh, drivers, uh, guys who have gone on to win cup races. That uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. never made this race. He tried many times. 
Bubba Wallace never made this race. Tried many times. Denny Hamlin never won this race, and he came out here and finished tenth in his or in the top ten in his uh, Cup Series debut. So you know it's a uh, it's a track that um, that has a lot of history, but I think also that the level of competition uh, is just that good. You you know that you're going to get everybody's best when they come out here. There's guys that they've been preparing for years for you know, for, for a full year since the race ended last year just for this race just to come back out so um you know they put a lot of uh a lot of pride in it and a lot of time in it and they, they want to come out and run well well brooks tell us what else can we expect from this year's change i think the uh the biggest thing is the unknowns you know i talked to philip morris about it and he said it may be an opportunity for the uh for a second group to open up on the outside uh, i don't mm-hmm. foresee that happening but you know there, there may be a second group may open up some passing lanes so uh how are the cars going to handle when the when the sun goes down? Those, those are all the unknowns that that nobody really knows what's going to happen. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a big part of it. And then the fact that we don't have to worry about it getting dark. You know, mm-hmm. it's always been something that's been a little concerning uh, for everybody when it gets down to the final laps. But you know, we we don't have to worry about that anymore. And I can tell you something that fans might have a question about. You know, as far as it being under the lights, you know. I can remember in the past, you know, I've come several Sundays and watched this race. When you start heat racing and you finally get to the feature, you're talking, we get there around noon. We wouldn't leave till after 7 o'clock, which we intend to be there all day. But I'm thinking, what can fans expect as far as, you know, this being an art race? Are they going to be expecting to be there until, you know, midnight, 1 o'clock? I mean, you know, what what is the schedule going to be like so that way our fans will know, hey, you know, it's a race worth coming out to and you'll still not be out here till you know, the wee hours of the morning. Well, the heat races are going to start at four. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, we just shifted everything down three hours. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at the heat races starting about four, ending about seven, seven thirty. Excuse me, seven thirty, mm-hmm. and then getting into pre-race, and then the race will start at eight. Mm-hmm. And we'll say it'll be done about eleven o'clock. That's uh, typical sorry, Saturday night. <laughs> uh, typical Saturday night. So, barring any unforeseen circumstances, I. Uh, we're we're planning on about eleven o'clock, but nice. you know we, we can't guarantee that, right? Uh, <laughs> so, well, I know I've had some other people I know that are planning on coming, and they're like, "Are we going to be leaving at like three in the morning?" I'm like, "No, I don't I don't see that coming." Because they're like, "Well, I, I kind of want to go, but I I can't leave that late," you know. <laughs> no, no, no. The heat races will be run during the day. That's exactly. good. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And and that's also good you to know. know. You don't want to miss yeah, those absolutely. That last chance heat. Oh no! The last but, uh, chance last... heat is almost as good as the feature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the the uh, best twenty five laps in racing. Oh, absolutely! It's funny though watching that race. I actually was on my toes. I had a couple of drivers I was hoping that were going to make that race. They've tried for like the last three years, and one of them was just about to make it last year. Mm-hmm. He was in the top seven. He got raped in the second la- second to last lap, and he got knocked out. <laughs> Well, I can tell you, he's not the first one that that happened. Oh, absolutely not. We talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> that that is what I love. That is what I live for. Oh, just I know. the horrible. Just that. <laughs> oh, look at his face. Oh, he looks a little butt hurt over there. Somebody, somebody, go get him an orange crush. You know the uh, th- this race also. You never know what's going to happen. What's going to be the uh, the great storyline? Exactly. Um, you know, last year, Billy Martin had tried for 25 years, excuse mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. Uh, to make the race. Mm-hmm. Had never made it. Mike Looney comes out, sits on the pole. Yep. 
the underfunded team, open trailer for half the season, never had enough money to run a full season for a track championship. Mm-hmm. He comes out and beats Lee Pulliam, who's as good as anybody ever to drive a late model. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you never know what the, uh, what the storyline's going to be. And I think that's, that's always fun going into it. Uh, Absolutely. Year, Cause a lot Sellers, of people think, uh, yeah. Peyton's somebody who, you know, you expect to be up front last year, he was out of the race, you know, within the first 20 laps. So, uh, it, it's just, um, it, it, you just never know what's going to happen. Exactly. I was actually going to ask you what your prediction is or which driver yep. you think is going to do well, but you this put is you a on race the spot. that's hard to predict. No, 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 no. We're putting him on the spot. <laughs> Brooks, we love you, man, but you got, we got to put you on the spot. What is your prediction? Well, uh, I'll tell you, I've, I've seen, I've seen a lot of racing this summer mm-hmm. and, uh, the guy who has consistently been good everywhere I've seen him, uh, and it should be of no shock, is Philip Morris. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, to see Philip Morris back in victory lane. Okay. Which, if he does, that would be his fourth win, mm-hmm. uh, which would tie Curtis Markham for the most uh, late model wins at Martinsville ever. If you had a dark horse, somebody said, you know what, it, it's it's a it's a slight possibility, but the person who could win is. I'm going to throw two names out there, and one's not going to sound like a dark horse. Okay. Uh, the first one I'll throw out there is a dark horse, and I'd say Ryan Repka. Um, Ryan showed some uh, some speed last year. Uh, he he ran up front for most of the race until he hit the pace car. Um, I had to get that little dig in there because I had to drive that car home that <laughs> <Yeah>. night. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting. I remember I, that. Oh my god. But um, but uh, Ryan Repka is somebody that. Uh, it's been he's been good this year. I think uh, I think he's one to watch out for. That's a true dark horse. And then somebody else that uh, maybe I could even say two names. Um, one of them is Matt Bowling. Uh, Matt won the national championship last year, but mm-hmm. this year he's only raced three or four times. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, you never know what they've been working on to get up to this point. Mm-hmm. But you know, he hadn't been in a car, so that could always uh, you know be a little. A little, uh, it could be a little rust or, or something. Um, mm-hmm. So I've never counted that bowling out. And then Peyton Sellers is a guy who, uh, for whatever reason, has not won here. Uh, he's won everything there is to win in late model stock car racing, except for this race. So, this might be it. Uh, I would say I would say those two are not necessarily dark horses, but people that uh, that haven't won that that could. And then another driver who, uh, again, I don't know if you consider him a dark horse, but he's been. Uh, He's been good all year, ran really well last year, uh, is Bobby McCarty. Right on. So, I think... Uh, That's a lot of names, man. That is a... Let me tell you what, that just adds a little bit more to the excitement of the Valley Star Credit Union 300 coming up. And then, well, you know, then you got the race within the race. You've got the Virginia Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. So, that's another $10,000 that somebody's coming home with. Mm-hmm. So, it, so, that's for any driver that uh, started... Uh, the July Fourth race, the Harley Davidson 200 at South Boston, mm-hmm. the uh, the Hampton Heat at Langley, and in this race, it's uh, the lowest average finish position, um, or I guess the highest average finish position, lowest mm-hmm. number uh, is ten thousand dollars richer. So, should that person also win the race, uh, now you're looking at they're taking on thirty five thousand dollars. Wow. And if they're leading it halfway, they're taking home the two thousand dollars clearance the steakhouse halfway bonus. Mm-hmm. And then if they sit on the pole, that's another thousand dollars. So 
somebody could win $38,000 that week, uh, that that night. That's a nice little paycheck for one race. Mm-hmm. Go look at what, uh, you know, truck series pays for a win. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. That, 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 that's some good money. So, uh, you know, the, that's something to look out for as well. And this year, new for this year, we're uh, going to put tent strips on the cars that are contending for the Triple Crown mm. so that the fans will be able to identify uh, who those drivers are. Nice. Just adds more and more to the excitement of the Valley Star Credit Union 300 coming up in Martinsville Speedway. Brooks, where can I get tickets? Give me info. Give me all the data, everything everybody needs to be able to find you. You can get tickets. Uh, stop by the track Monday through Friday, nine to five. Saturdays, nine to three. Um, you know, one of our one of our folks here will be happy to help you. You can call eight seven seven Race Ticks or visit MartinsvilleSpeedway.com. Uh, tickets are available. We've got general admission camping available. Tickets are thirty dollars. General admission camping twenty five dollars. Uh, really looking forward to it. It's next Saturday night, September twenty third. Fans can come out this Thursday. Get a sneak peek, you know, find out if I'm right about the dark horses. And there's always one uh, that, that nobody's expecting that comes out and runs mm-hmm. really well. So uh, some everybody's going to be talking about somebody on Thursday that kind of comes out of nowhere. And uh, that person's usually a, a, another uh, another dark horse. So um, I'm hoping that uh, that we find out who that is. But at the same time, you know, it would be nice to go into the race and, and say, where did that guy come from? sort of like Mike Looney did last year. So mm-hmm. uh, really excited for, for it next weekend and, and hope everybody comes out and, and just has a good good time at the racetrack. This is Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. That is Brooks Taylor, PR magnate of Martinsville Speedway. We're looking forward to the Valley Star Credit Union 300. Brooks, thank you so much for joining us this evening, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me and, and look forward to having you guys up and uh, looking forward to some, some great racing. Also, let me get one more thing in. Absolutely. Uh, we got the cup race coming up at the end of October. Uh, first day to 500, uh, Texas Roadhouse 200 for the Camping World Truck Series. Both of those are in the playoffs. Um, get tickets the same way, but uh, come out for the late model race. You'll enjoy it. Come back in October. Attention racers. Race fans and gearheads, if you're looking to buy, sell, or trade the stuff that stokes your engine, then check out RacingJunk.com. RacingJunk.com is the world's number one online racing and performance classifieds, where you'll find what you need to rock your ride. Check us out at RacingJunk.com. Racing and performance classifieds built to go fast. Welcome back to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. And, uh, you know, Ellen, I really enjoyed talking to amber last time absolutely i hope she actually gets to compete in this race in the future i think she could be a killer part of this race well you know it's it's great getting a chance to talk to the new up-and-coming talent because you never know where that's going to lead you never know where they're going to land how high they're going to get and from what i understand we got another young up-and-comer coming up absolutely uh we've actually got a young driver who i've had the opportunity to watch race from the time he was I guess Ryan was about nine years old the first time I saw him race in a quarter midget, and he blew my mind. Um, and he has since then moved up to limited late models and now competing in late models and has already won a couple of races and is going to attempt to qualify and hopefully not only qualify but do really well in this Martinsville race. Well, I'll tell you what, we got Ryan Repco waiting on the line for us right now. Ryan, what's going on, buddy? Um, not a whole lot. Just um, Martinsville preparations right now as far as racing goes. Um, we, we test there this coming Thursday, so um, that'll be big. We um, 
we visit that track once a year. It's our biggest race of the year. Um, they're expecting about 70 cars probably, and it'll be the first one under the lights. Yeah, I was going to say, tell me a little bit about what prep you're doing, what you're expecting to see in the test, and then with this time being the first time ever under LED lights in Martinsville, how do you think that's going to affect things? Um, it should be pretty good for racing as far as that goes. I mean, most tracks, when you turn on the lights and the temperatures um, go down, most of the time the racing gets a little bit better because the track grips up more and the tires aren't as hot and slick. So I think it'll probably help the race, and we might even see two wide racing at Martinsville, which is something you don't really see. Um, also, I think it'll draw more fans and it'll draw more cars because of the hype with it being the first ever. So it should be probably the biggest one to date as far as that goes. And as far as preparation goes, you just want to bring the best car you've got. I mean, whatever your favorite car is that you've got, which for me is my white 14 car, that's the car we're taking to Martinsville because I feel like it, it handles the best. It, it's it's always been a lot freer than my other cars, which is something you want at Martinsville to be able to get through hairpin corners and through the center there. So that's something you kind of fight. Most people fight tight in the center there so with it being such tight radius corners. So um, that'll be what we bring. That's um, that's my favorite car. And then, then as far as that goes, just replacing everything, making sure everything's ready to go, nothing's locked up, everything's just um, free and just ready to roll. This dude is 17? Yes. Are you telling For real, I couldn't talk like this when I was 21. <laughs> and this kid has got it together at 17. Ryan, wow. You did have a little training, didn't you, Ryan? Um, a little bit. I've been doing interviews like this probably since I was 13 or 14. Look at you, getting prepped. Oh, a little bit younger than that. Didn't you come on with Mike and I with Triad Sports coverage a little younger than that? Yeah, but I wasn't very good then. Oh, yes, you were. <laughs> he even interviewed other drivers. Yeah, we did some of that over at NCQMA back in the quarter midget days. Yeah. So, speaking of quarter midgets, you went from quarter midgets to limited late models, now late models. What is the biggest difference you're seeing? Obviously, it's a heavier stock car. Obviously, it's a whole new ball game. But, you know, how did, how are you ready to go up to late models from quarter midgets? Um, quarter midgets, it's kind of an entry-level form of racing. I wouldn't say that it's very similar to the late model deal. Quarter midgets is more you kind of get to learn the rules and you get to kind of feel adjustments. And since there's shock absorbers on those, that's why I prefer those over go-karts because I, you can set them up and you can feel stuff with them and make different adjustments and kind of learn the balance of the car and stuff like that. Um but it kind of it kind of teaches you the basics, you know, how to race around people. I mean, you can keep your momentum up by arcing out the corners and stuff like that. You kind of learn the basics. The late model is kind of where you really learn to race big cars. I mean, they're a lot bigger. Obviously, you've got a lot more power under you. Um, power steering, it, it feels very different. I mean, a quarter midget has no power steering, so it just feels um, more grounded and, like, I guess responsive the late model you have to turn the wheel more because you've got power steering and the wheels are bigger which that can be adjusted through steering boxes and different size steering wheels but um all around the feels very different but quarter midget I feel like is probably the best option as far as entry level and getting into racing and really learning the basics of how to race a car now Ryan when you move from one model to another model or from one style to another style usually there are influences other drivers that kind of help us along with that decision. Who have been some of your biggest influences in the late model division, and, and what are your goals this race and in the future? Well, um, right now, 
I, I'm teammates with Philip Morris, who's obviously a very accomplished late mile driver. He's won um, four national titles. I think he's won Martins this this Martinsville race we have coming mm-hmm. up three times. Yeah, um, twice I think. He's kind of yeah. He took me under his wing and he's taught me a lot, um, just as far as how to race people and how how um, he was. He's always pushed me. You know, you got to be really aggressive on these starts and stuff like that. Back when I was first really getting used to it and all that, so. Um, He's been an influence, and also with my ARCA deal that I had going on this year, I ran one ARCA race at Mad- in, up in Madison, Wisconsin this year, and um, wow. I was working with Mason, Mitch- Mason Mitchell Motorsports, and um, Mason took me under his wing and really taught me a lot in that ARCA race, and um, really that would be the goal to be able to do more of those, but obviously there's a lot of behind-the-scenes business-type stuff that has to happen in order for that to all come together. Um but my ultimate goal is to make it to the NASCAR Monster Cup Series, which is which has been my goal since I was five years old. So it would be awesome if we could make that happen. But um, right now we're kind of in the developing stages, you know. You mean the Winston Cup? Races. You talking about the Winston Cup? <laughs> he's too young to know it's the Winston Cup. <laughs> no, he's not. Look, as smart as this guy is, I bet he has better stats going back past Davey Allison on the Winston Cup than I got. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ron. I didn't mean to make you jump ship right there, but I just every time I hear Monster Cup, I just I say Winston Cup. Yeah, it's it, who knows how long the Monster Cup it's going to stay the Monster Cup series. I can't even get used to calling it the Monster Cup series. Every time I have to write it, I'm like, God, it takes me forever just to write the whole series name. It's mm-hmm. just ridiculous. <laughs> if we could go back to Winston Cup, that would be great. So much easier to write. But I mean, doing ARCA up in Wisconsin, man alive, that's beautiful. Yeah, what pulled yeah, you into that be- one race? Do what? How did you get pulled in for that one race? Well, um, I met Mason at GoPro Motorplex, and we kind of got to talking. And he, he basically, a, a little later, um, offered for me to come run one of his cars. And then we put together a deal that both sides were happy with. And we um, we basically went up there. I think it took about probably three or four weeks to put the deal together. And um, it was an awesome race. I mean, I had a blast running it. The cars were a lot of fun. They just have a ton of power. And one thing I had to get used to was um, just how easy you have to be on restarts because um, it's really easy to spin the tires. With the late model, I have about 400 horsepower. So it's you don't really have to worry about tire spin as much. It's not it, It's pretty hard to do. You'd have to slam the throttle down to get the tires to spin. But that ARC car, it's, um, it's completely different because you restart in second gear and that's going to cause you to have higher RPMs, and it um, makes it a lot easier to spin tires. And um, the racing was a lot of fun. It's it's a lot harder to get through the corners with those cars, which I feel like late model stock has prepared me for because they're built with perimeter style chassis, which are similar to what an which is what an ARCA car basically is. It's a perimeter car, but it's built different um, as opposed to a straight rail late model or something of that nature. So. Um, they they kind of handled similarly in the corners, but like there was a definite difference, and the racing was very good. I felt like everybody was pretty clean in ARCA, and it was it was a lot of fun. I had a blast. Um, we had an oil line leak about uh, I don't know how far into the race, but I ended up going a lap down, and um, I ended up probably passing more cars than anybody in that race, and eventually brought it home eighth. Nice. So how do you feel that's going to prepare you moving forward for NASCAR? What are you looking forward to? When are you going to make the jump? Well, um, I, I can't really tell you when. Um, it, it's not <laughs> that concrete. It's um, 
there's a lot of stuff that has to fall into place for that to happen. Obviously, that's the goal. That's what I want to do. But um, it, it's there's obviously a ton of kids out there that are doing exactly what I'm doing and trying to do exactly what I'm doing. So I can't tell you exactly when. But I feel like ARCA is a great um, stepping stone to get there because yeah. um, the cars are built similarly. I mean, heck, even some people are running old cup cars in ARCA. Yeah. And um, it's got a lot of power, 740 horsepower. And you're on radial tires, which is what the truck, Xfinity, and mm-hmm. cup cars are on. So I feel like it, it's a great stepping stone to be able to get used to these bigger cars um, in the ARCA series. Yeah, well, I'm not going to put you on the spot of that, but uh, let's let's get back to the race that's coming up. And And speaking of great preparations and great influences. Yeah, I had no idea that you were working with Philip Morris, and yes, he has won this race before in pretty amazing style. I, I was there the first year he won that race and was blown away. So um, tell me how Philip has, or and his team possibly, have influenced you and, and advised you for this race, because it's one of the most challenging late model races of the year, and it's one of the most difficult to, you know, of course, qualify for because it's not something where you just qualify and get a certain speed. You've got to go through all these heat races. You've got to survive everybody else around you. And granted, this year it's 70 drivers versus 100. We've, they've had 125 show up to try to qualify for this race as well. So tell me how Philip has influenced you and advised you and how to prepare for this upcoming race. Well, actually, I'm not running for Philip's team. Philip actually came over to the team I was already running for. But um, he hasn't really done too much to advise me because this is actually my second go-around at this race. I ran it last year, too. And I ended up qualifying third, 200 off of the pole last year. So, uh, obviously, I didn't get too much sleep that night because I felt like we had come so close to getting the pole. But um, I feel like we've got a good chance at that with this new car because it has – the feeling it it has everything that I lacked last year. I was a little tight in the middle last year in one and two, and I feel like this car will really be good for that. But um, yeah, like you said, survival. I mean, it's it's pretty hard to survive. I mean, even the heat races because mm-hmm. you've got people going for position, and obviously it pays something to win a heat race. And obviously, each spot I, I think it's I forget how many, but every spot it's not just one spot in the race. It's multiple spots. It's like, I think it's like five of them or something like that. Each mm-hmm. spot is a, is five spots in the starting field of the race. So mm-hmm. it's, it's huge just even to get one, um, to get one spot more on the final lap. So you'll have people just doing all sorts of stuff to try to get up there. Mm-hmm. And in the race, you just got to be careful to not get wrecked in the first um, probably three quarters of the race. You probably spend about 150 laps just kind of riding and saving your tires and then um, really jump and try to make it to the front with the last 50 and try to get up there and try to contend for it. I think I got up to, I got up as high as fourth and then I ended up, of all things, getting wrecked under mm-hmm. caution. I remember that. To the back. Yeah. And then I think I restarted. 23rd or something and got up to ninth or so with 25 laps to go but um I I feel like we would have had a chance at that one last year had that not happened so we um I I really feel confident going into this race that my crew will give me a great car and we'll be able to hopefully duplicate the same result without getting wrecked under caution yeah and not only under caution but just getting wrecked in general I mean I've seen so many drivers right there at the end look like they've got the race Peyton Sellers for instance and yes I did try to get him to come on and tell us about it, but I know he still he still seems a little bit um, unhappy about a his sore. loss. A little sore about a little it. Sore, it's a been hurt. a couple of years, but he's still 
a little sore about it. He was like a lap, two laps, I believe it was two laps away from winning the race. It may have been five total. I can't remember for sure, but I know it was within, you know, like five to seven laps to go. And I was on my way down to the pits, and all of a sudden I hear, and I come out there, and he's gone, and he's out. And I mean, Tell him, Ryan, he needs to learn how to drive, don't he? Oh, that was crushing because I know he had had trouble with his engine all day and all this stuff, and it didn't even look like he was going to make the race. And then, so, you know, it's heartbreaking to watch the drivers that are so close to a win just get it knocked out in that last five laps because you'll think, you'll, you'll watch and say, okay, this guy's, you know, guy or girl got it in the last 10 laps, even if they're pretty much far ahead. I See, mean, the evil in me loves that. Yeah. That's what I that's what I live for. I live for that moment of just just horrible despair and just crushing, soul crushing horribleness to just like, oh, look at his face. Oh, oh I bet he's gonna be butt hurt for a good six months over this one. That's what I live for. Oh, Ryan, how many people are you gonna put in the wall? That's what I wanna know. Hopefully none. <laughs> it will tear up your car too. I'm just kidding. Like, I don't want to cause yeah. any enemies out there. But I got 10 bucks and a list of names I'm going to give you, okay? All right. <laughs> Let's see if all those drivers can even make the race. That's right. <laughs> well, Ryan, tell us a little bit. Uh, what do you think about racing on the paperclip? Well, I mean, obviously, it, it's a really fast racetrack for us late-mile stock guys because it's got a lot. Uh, as far as the Cup Series, it's not very fast because they go to tracks like Daytona that have really mm-hmm. long straightaways and really wide corners. But us, our tracks are obviously a lot smaller than that. So we run on short tracks every weekend with the late model stocks. And um, for Martinsville, it, it's actually got longer straightaways than most of the tracks we run at. And the corners are still pretty tight, but not as tight as for a Cup car that's heavier. So um, it's actually one of our fastest racetracks. And I, I, I had a blast racing it last year. I feel like it's probably one of the raciest tracks we go to. And, I mean, sometimes you can make the top work, but it's a lot mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to run up there than it is on the bottom. Well, man, we're looking forward to seeing you at the Valley Star Credit Union 300 Martinsville Speedway coming up. And, Ryan, i got to put you on the spot, man. You're here. We're behind the wheel on RacingJunk.com. Give me a prediction. How are you going to do? Um, I'm going to qual- I'm going to lead all the practices, qualify on the pole, and lead every lap of the race. That's what I'm talking about. Get it, baby. Seventeen-year-old <laughs> Ryan Rebko. Ryan, do you have Facebook, website, Instagram, all that good stuff? Um, all of it. I've got a Facebook page that's just um, if you put the slash and then Ryan Repco Racing, it'll take you right to it. And Facebook.com slash Ryan Repco Racing, it'll take you right to it. Um, my Twitter handle is at Ryan underscore Repco 14. And uh, my Instagram is at Ryan Repco. Man, I tell you what, we are so excited about the young up-and-coming talent in racing right now. You know, that's what Behind the Wheel is all about. And, Ryan, we wish you the best of luck, man. Keep in touch with us. Let us know how things go. Looking forward to seeing how high you get in this sport that we all love. Thank you. Thanks for having me on here. Thanks, Ryan. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. See you, buddy. Wow, what a kid. Yeah, he's really 17 good. years old. and First he's... time I met him, he was nine. First time you met him, he was how old? He was like nine or ten years old, and That's he blew me away. Is. Yeah, and, you know. He doesn't was... talk halfway like that. No, I was working with another website, and we had him on uh, an internet radio show we were doing at the time, and most of these kids could barely talk. It was very much yes, no you know, looking at me with a red face, you know, have no idea what to say. 
he was well outspoken. He really was. I mean, he had a little nerves to him and whatever, right. and didn't know exactly if he said the right thing or right. you know the, that kind of thing. But um, I you know have watched him race since he was nine or ten years old, running quarter midgets. Uh, we actually went out to the track. We were so impressed with how he did and his presence in mm-hmm. front of all these younger kids that we actually had him come on and lead some of the shows himself. Wow. Yeah. I'd, I'd jump off say it's all you. <laughs> you know what? That's the thing that gets me about, and this, it spans all sports, but racing especially because it's all about the driver and the crew. The guys that are there for just fluff, the ones that are trained to speak and speak well and mm-hmm. who can eloquate well right? versus the ones that are trained to speak well but also know their cars, know their tracks, know what makes it tick and what makes it go fast, what makes it not go fast. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that are more successful. Exactly. And This, this kid, kid right here. Yeah, he knows it. I mean – He's actually had a lot of good influences from his dad, but also just from some of these older drivers um, who have actually been very impressed with him. Um, he actually did some stuff with a limited late model driver for a little while, and he he was impressed with how quickly he was picking everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I knew that he was giving up his quarter midget racing and going to a late model, I wasn't sure how he would do. I've seen kids do okay, but not great. He's actually blown my mind at how well he has done. I mean, granted, he hasn't gone out there and won every race, but he's he's held his own, and he's done top ten several times in several different tracks, including Caraway. So, you know, that's it's not an easy feat to do. And, you know, his family doesn't have a lot of money. His race team doesn't have a lot of money. He's not running for a big-time team. Mm-mm. He's running for his own family. Earning it. Yeah, he is literally earning it, and they're running That's on, the ones you respect. Yeah, and he is running on a shoestring, so you don't see that too often, even in the late model series sometimes, even when you come to Martinsville. There's many times I've come to Martinsville. He mentioned Philip Morris. Philip Morris came with money when he won. Yeah. Um, the first year he won, and actually I apologize, he did win three times. I was not there for the first time. I was there for the second time. <laughs> but, um, you know, he came in, and ever, there were lots of rumors on the track that the reason he won is because he had money. And a lot right. of the other drivers were complaining that his car was better because he had, he had the money. money. Yeah. yeah. And not too, many, not too many drivers that come to this race really do have a lot of money. A lot of them are running on shoestring. They are your regular late models. Um I was there uh, one year when a, a Virginia native had tried several times to win this race, tried to qualify two or three times, didn't qualify, finally got in the race, didn't do too well the first couple of years, finally won that year. And, I mean, he was spending every bit of money he pretty much had. Right. Um, his family business was putting in a whole lot of money just trying to get him just to this race. These are the ones that not only you respect and you want to root to win, but these are the ones that people need to follow and they need to support. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this kid's going to be great. So hopefully you'll be able to track and keep up with Ryan Repco. Please go check him out on his social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Following, wish it, wish the kid well. I mean, these, these are the type of athletes we need to progress through the ranks of all professional sports, especially racing. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Racing Junk on the 23rd of September while we'll be, be live at the Valley Star 300. We'll be telling you all the action as it goes on. And if you can't be there, make sure you just follow us because it's going to be a really cool event. Wow. You talk about a great episode. I know, right? I mean, I am so psyched for this race. I, I, don't, I wish it wasn't next week. I wish it was this week, but oh well. Well, you know, you got to take some time. <laughs> and it is the Valley Star Credit Union 300 coming up on the 23rd Martinsville Speedway. Mm-hmm. 
it's going to be an amazing night. Uh, if you didn't already hear Brooks tell you, everything will the action will kick off at 4 p.m. with the first heat race, and then uh, the feature race will take place at 8 o'clock. So it's just like your typical Saturday night of racing, but this is going to be the best Saturday night you could spend. That is Ellen Richardson. I am Chris Young. Thank you so much for listening to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. We also want to thank our guests for taking the time out of their busy schedule to tell us about the upcoming Valley Star 300. And I want you to stay tuned each month as we introduce you to another part of the sport that we all love right here on Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com.